Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. Before we get started with the episode today, I have a little announcement to share. So this is episode 100. Yes, 100 episodes so far. And the announcement is that I'm taking a little break from the podcast, but I'll tell you more at the end of the show. So stick to the end. And now let me introduce today's guest. We are speaking to my friend Paris Grand from the Millennial to Millionaire podcast. Paris is a 26-year-old millennial on an ambitious mission to become a millionaire before age 30. But let me reassure you, he did not start yesterday, but five years ago. We will discuss his personal finance adventure so far, how and why he wants to become a millionaire, and then we will move on to the financial issues millennials face today, and how these issues can be overcome. This episode is for you if you want to achieve your big financial goals and live the lifestyle you want. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Paris. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Feeling fired up. Okay, that's awesome. So yeah, Paris, uh, I'm excited to have you because today we're going to speak about uh, millennials, uh, about money management for millennials, because you run a podcast and a YouTube actually, from uh, millennial to millionaires. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, yeah what you do and what the show is about? Okay, yeah, uh, totally. So yeah, my name is uh, Paris. Uh, I work in the financial service industry. I work at a bank. And like you said, I host the Millennial to Millionaire podcast. It's a podcast that I started because I myself am a millennial aiming to become a millionaire. (laughs) And in the podcast, which now does have a YouTube, I try to help millennials manage their finances and introduce them more to uh, just increase their financial literacy and just really kind of help them navigate everything. Um, I'm finishing up my bachelor's degree in finance at FIU, Florida International University. And um, yeah. No, very cool, uh, Paris. And uh, no, it's excellent that you do the podcast while you're actually studying it. So uh, no, very cool. And then as well, I saw you do it. You have done it for uh, what, almost uh, four or five years now uh, with almost 200 episodes. Yeah. Uh, so the first episode came out in January 1st, 2017. I've had a couple different like points of like, I guess, a hiatus where mm-hmm. I, like there might be like a two or three months where I wasn't recording. But overall, the podcast has been going strong for about five years now. And I think we're just nearing our 200th episode. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's quite impressive. Uh, here we are nearing the, the 100th episode. So that's uh, I, I know uh, how much work that goes into it. <laughs> so congratulations. And uh, yeah, now let's move on to the topic of today. So millennials and money. So why did you uh, in the first place start this podcast? So yeah, um, when I turned 21, uh, I was reading the book Think and Grow Rich and it really Mm -hmm. like inspired something within me that uh, I wanted to become a millionaire, right? And there's like a whole story that went into that. But um, as I made this decision, I started like reading up on books. I was listening to podcasts. I was doing all that I could to really immerse myself in it so I could learn all that there was about like building wealth and finance. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing this, I had a lot of friends who would like ask me questions like, oh, what is a 401k or oh, how much should I save or what's this or what's that? And they had all these different questions that they were asking me. And I was really happy to answer them and everything. But it got to a point where I was hearing a lot of the same questions from different people. And it made me realize that 
if my friends and my peers who are all millennials are asking these questions, there must be other millennials out there who are not necessarily friends with me who might have the same sort of uh, who might have the same questions. So I was listening to a podcast and he and in the podcast, he said something about like, you know, if you're really passionate about something, you should start a podcast about it. So then I went in and I figured, OK, I'll just as I I'm on my journey to a million, I'm just going to share all the different things that I'm learning about so I can help other people reach their own financial goals. Yeah, fantastic. And why did the. Um your friends five years ago come to you? I mean, were you always talking about money yourself or very busy with it? I mean, uh... yeah. So um, when I first started, like, you know, finance has not always been my passion. I'm 26 now. So this was five years ago when I turned 21. And when I started doing it, it really became, like I said, something that I was uh, just really immersed in. So I was always, I always kind of was talking about it. Like if you ever saw <laughs> okay. me, I was probably reading a book about it, listening to a podcast about it. Like they knew my goals and as I would like share with them, hey, like, you know, I just uh, increased my I just increased my savings rate by 5%. They were like, I don't even know what a savings rate is. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so it kind of just came naturally as just me really being involved in it. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, you want to become a millionaire. A millionaire sounds, uh, you know, like rich, like uh, having a lot of things, a big house, a big car. I don't know, an easy or good life. But what does that mean to become a millionaire to you? So, um, yeah, I think it do a lot of people really, uh, when they hear the word millionaire, they think about things that are just like super extravagant. And uh, I'm born and raised in Miami where things are like that, very extravagant and everything. But to me, it just represents freedom. Mm. It represents freedom and achievement. I think that in the process of getting to the millionaire status, there's just a lot of habits that you're going to pick up, a lot of things that you're going to learn that will just help you really grow. And then also like having it, I just feel like would it just frees up your time. It makes it so you're not beholden to like making money. You don't have to do things you don't want to do. So I've always associated it more with like freedom and achievement than the actual material possessions. Okay, no, very good. And then because when you were 21, were you then studying as well or doing something else? You were working in, in a job just to get a bit of background? Yeah, so I was actually a server. I didn't actually start going to school for finance until after I made this decision. So at the time that I started, I was working as a server in restaurants. And, you know, I was just like, go and saving my money doing this and that. Mm -hmm. And the podcast came. And then as I was doing it, I just realized how passionate I was about it. So I was like, this would be something I would want to go to school for. Because I had started school, but I didn't really finish because I wasn't really passionate about anything. Mm -hmm. But the passion came and then school came afterwards, actually. Okay, that's an interesting uh, turn of events, let's say. <laughs> yeah. And then when you, so you speak mostly through your podcast to millennials and your friends or uh, your acquaintances uh, ask you questions. So what do you, would you say, at least in your entourage, are the main difficulties that millennials face uh, when it comes to money? Um, so I think that the first one that comes to mind is definitely just financial literacy. A lot of people just don't really know like the terms. They don't really know like how money works. They it's not something that's taught in schools. So the only really example that they have is like their parents. Mm -hmm. So if their family isn't someone who talks openly about finances, about like how money really works, they just don't really understand the systems behind it. Like whether that be financial products, what it really means to save. Um, you know, they don't really they just look at debt as just like a thing that's there. I also do think that um, you know, debt is a really big one. A lot of people because of the lack of financial literacy, will be in debt and not really know how to dig themselves out of it. And then I honestly think the one of the major ones is just really mindset towards money. Like a lot of people just don't really have like a good relationship with money. 
So they kind of struggle to make different financial decisions because they don't really want to talk about it or really like uh, be super involved in it. Yeah. And then going back to the financial literacy, I understand that uh, not everyone uh, has been taught about money. And then just a question that sparked in my head, do you think uh, it depends as well on the socioeconomic level where people are? I mean, is it, can, uh, for example, people from a richer family, are they more educated in finance or is that a myth or is it, yeah, overall uh, people are lacking financial literacy? So, yeah, that's a great question, actually. I have a lot of friends from different kind of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, some, you know, live in like really nice, expensive houses and some live in like, you know, like not so nice areas. I don't necessarily think it has to do with the amount of wealth like that they're kind of born into, because I think that um, people who grow up in like, you know, who are very affluent because they're so affluent, they might not really take the time to learn about it because their family might just not talk about it. It's just mm -hmm. something that's there. And then for somebody who might not be, you know, as prosperous, they might actually have a better sense of money because they just talk so openly about it. So I really think it's just a matter of the context and the different situations. But I wouldn't say that, like, uh, somebody who's richer is automatically going to be more financially literate than somebody who's not. Mm -hmm. And then on the second point, the mindset, you know, I know that in U.S. money is taboo. Mm -hmm. But here as well in Europe, depending on the countries, and there's different uh, levels, I would say depending on the country and the, the general culture. But our impression, I don't know if it, maybe this will surprise you, but our impression in general is that in America, uh, money is not such a taboo, that it's, it's uh, Americans talk more freely about money. But is that a wrong assumption that we have? Or uh, what um, can you say about that? <laughs> yeah, so I'd say that there's some merit to that, especially nowadays. I've definitely seen a trend of just money being something that's more openly talked about. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's not... Um, I don't think it's it's all encompassing. I think that there's certain financial topics that people are more willing to talk about. Like even before when I started the podcast, my friends were comfortable talking about like, you know, how much debt they might have. Like, oh, I have this much in debt or I have that much in debt. But they might not want to talk about how much money that they make or, you know, they might um, they might speak about, okay, you know, I make this much, but they don't want to talk about all the other nuts and bolts of their finances. So I think that, you know, there's kind of a tendency to pick and choose the different things. But I have seen overall as a subject that a lot more people are talking about finances, especially as like all these different financial companies come out with different things because we're very, uh, you know, we're very tech savvy. So there's all these different apps and all these, uh, mm -hmm. all these different things are popping up that kind of are encouraging the conversation more. But I'd definitely say that there's still a little bit of a ways to go. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, millennials, you know, when I think about millennials, okay, there's a few things I'm a bit older than you. I always uh, joke about it with some younger friends of mine, but it's like the, okay, in, we don't really have this avocado toast in uh, Europe, but this kind of jokes on avocado toast or the coffees or the lattes, you know, this kind of small expenditures, I we think as well, and I think that's more global, but that it's difficult to, to buy a, to purchase a house. Uh, are there other such like specific issues that you see um, uh, for millennials? Yeah, for one, on the whole topic of like avocado toast and lattes and everything, it's definitely something I've heard a lot about. But there've actually been a lot of uh, like a lot of research has gone into showing that like millennials, it's not so much like those smaller ticket items that uh, they struggle with. Mm -hmm. It is things like you know buying their first house or yeah. like paying for their education or um, even getting a car for some people. It's just like there's different. I think the day to day life of a millennial when it comes to their finances might be um, not as 
I think it's a little over-exaggerated in some parts, but I do think it's like the more big-picture sort of things that we're just not able to do or that they have difficulty doing yeah. um, just because of, you know, all these other factors that kind of go into it. Sure. And then coming a bit to you, uh, Paris, so you uh, have been interested in learning more about money. You read the book, Think and Grow Rich, but then mm -hmm. you, t you took steps to improve your, your financial situation. So what concrete steps did you take in your financial decisions? to uh, improve your uh, situation and uh, work towards your one million? So, I mean, the first thing is definitely um, just really starting to keep track of everything. Mm -hmm. What gets measured gets managed is what I always like to say. Yeah. So I really had to go take stock of, okay, like what debt do I have? How much do I really make on a, like a per year, per week, per month basis? Like how much do I spend in one week? Um, where's my money really going? I really had to kind of map out the actual picture of where I was at because before I started, I, I didn't know what like my net worth was. I couldn't say how much I spent. I just money came, it went. Sometimes I had a little bit left over. It wasn't really I didn't really have a clear picture. So really nailing it down and saying, okay, this is where I'm at right mm -hmm. now was the very first step. Afterwards, it was setting clear, concrete financial goals. So like the first goal might be, okay, I'm going to save a thousand. That's going to be my emergency fund. And then after that, I'm going to start looking into, you know, how I'm going to start investing. So setting concrete goals that will kind of propel you forward. I definitely recommend setting goals that are that make you kind of scare you a little bit so that you have to stretch yourself to reach those goals. So, yeah, tracking everything, setting goals and then. At that point, it was really just being consistent. I didn't really have anyone to hold me accountable to it. So I would just journal and be okay. Like if I wrote in my journal a week ago, I'm going to save this much when I get paid. Then when I'm reading it now, I'm going to save that much. And then always constantly trying to learn more about it so that when I was ready for that next step, when I went from saving to investing, I wasn't just throwing money away. I was like, okay, this is a next logical step. And that only came from continuously learning. And doing these things over a course of time, it was very slow going at first, especially when, you know, you're not making a whole bunch or if you're starting from negative or even zero. Mm -hmm. So it was just being consistent in doing that. And as time went on, as my financial literacy increased, the goals got bigger and larger and also so did my account balances. So, uh, so it all worked <laughs> out and we're still on the way. Okay, that sounds good. But then one question, because I know in the US studying costs a lot. So now you, you are in your bachelor. Isn't that impacting your journey or aren't you uh, incurring a lot of debt now? So no, actually. So just a quick little backstory. When I first graduated from high school, when I first graduated from high school, I actually uh, went to, I left from Miami to Tallahassee to go to school and I changed my major around a bunch of different times because like I said, I wasn't really particularly passionate about anything. But what I did was part of those savings goals that I had set before were specifically so that I could pay for my classes. So I started off going to a community college in Miami and I was paying for it all out of pocket with like, you know, the money I was making from the restaurant job. So that did kind of deter me in the amount of money that I could save, mm -hmm. but I never went into debt for it. And by being diligent in school and everything, when I transferred over to the university that I now attend, I was able to go completely uh, on scholarship and financial aid. So I don't actually pay a dime for school other than maybe some books here and there. Mm -hmm. But as far from a financial standpoint, it hasn't really cost me anything to go to school. Okay, but that's, uh, that's excellent. And so now you are also working in parallel. So then, of course, you're continuing to, to build on your journey. And then do you have um, like a target date or something that you will get that one million? Is that something that is set in time, a number of years or a month? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the goal is right now I am 26 years old. My goal is to become a millionaire 
expire before the age of 30. Wow, that's uh, that's that's good. <laughs> yes. And and then once you get that million, what what are you going to do? You're going to retire and that's it? You're on the beach every day or Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. So my, I mean, like I, like I said in the beginning, where I think about um, the million just represents more freedom than anything. Mm -hmm. I do have. I mean, I do want to go on to become a financial advisor, and I don't ever plan on retiring necessarily. But I never want to be in the position where I have to work or where I'm obligated to do something that I don't want to do. I want to be able to say, okay, I'm free to go do. I'm free to you know do X Y Z and not be beholden to money. Um, so I don't actually plan on retiring. And once I hit a million, I'm not going to just like stop saving. I plan on taking it further. It might make it five. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's definitely not the end. Okay. So Paris, uh, you told me, so you started your financial journey and uh, getting into the books, etc. at age 21. Mm -hmm. And now you intend to become a millionaire by age 30. So that's a period of nine years. So, so how does one accumulate $1 million? I mean, are you making uh, like tons of money every year or how does that work? Because it seems like a, a lot of money in a very short time. Are you buying Bitcoin or what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, full disclosure, I do own, I do own uh, cryptocurrency, but um, no. So the way that I approach it is I, you know, I started off um, investing, you know, primarily, I guess, like in index funds and this sort of thing. So a lot of my money, the money that I make comes from investments that I make. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested in studying out different kinds of financial products. So the way that I'm making the million dollars is by investing over like that period of time. And I don't plan on like pulling it out once I hit the millionaire status, but then also investing in some or in some higher risk securities just so that I'm able to kind of really boost that rate of return. But then also um, the next step in that is to go into something that is more cash flow. So um, real estate is what I'm looking at right now. Mm -hmm. That's my for the years to uh, own my first rental property. But so I think it's a mix of different financial products and very diligent saving. I re I think I realized really early on that really the main a lot of times people focus on you know cutting back and saving and putting all this money to the side, but really increasing your income is the main thing. So right now, in addition to working, I still have a couple side hustles where I, you know, I drive for Uber Eats. I make some money from the podcast sponsors, ads, that sort of thing. Um, my investments make me money. And then real estate is the next step. So I'm always looking to add different things into it. And I think that a, a fun part of the journey of this whole millennial to millionaire is that as the journey continues, I'm learning all these different ways to do it so that when somebody asks me, how did you become a millionaire? I'll be able to say, okay, like, I've already learned all the different things, so you don't have to go check out the podcast and you can see the whole story. So it's always in developing, in development, but that's the current plan. Yeah, okay. That that sounds good. And, and then talking about, okay, you said I want to buy a rental property, but what about your own housing? So you rent or you did you buy your property where you live? Yeah, so right now I'm actually for the very first time in my life living away from home. So I have a four roommates. There's five of us here right now. So my rent's really low. Um, when it came to the place that I live at right now, I didn't, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't have the option, but it wasn't something that I was able to do. So right now I do pay like rent, but the goal of having the rental property would be able to supplement this here. So I'm, not, I'm effectively paying nothing for rent. Yeah. And then also to start um, doing, to also start, you know, um, buying up more afterwards so that I'll have cash flow in addition to um, the appreciation from that. So the whole um, real estate in general is something is a new avenue I've really kind of ex been exploring mm -hmm. lately, given that this is my first time not living at home. Yeah, no, that, that's great uh, because, you know, sometimes when you're young, I mean, especially 26, 27, 
this age, you know, you start to work, you start to save money. And, you know, a lot of your friends, uh, maybe that's the case for you. Your friends start to save for a house, for an apartment. At least that's that's my case uh, when I was uh, your age. So I bought my first apartment when I was 29, actually. Mm. And, and then, um, but everybody around me was buying uh, their first apartment. So, so it's quite normal to do. So maybe in your uh, circle of friends, it's the same. It's the age where you think, or maybe you have a girlfriend at the time or a boyfriend, and then you, you, you want to live together. And then you say, okay, what am I going to do with my money? We're going to buy a house or an apartment. So um, is this a wise choice then? Or, or do you say, no, actually, you should continue to invest, try to uh, lower your uh, living expenses, and then uh, this will accelerate your path to, uh, to a financial independence or uh, becoming a millionaire? So, I mean, I really think that that comes down to values. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. Um, so, like, for me, my, my goal is to become a millionaire. Yeah. A lot of times people might not have the same goal. They might just want to be more financially stable. So I really think it comes down to values. Like you said, you know, depending on your different life situation, maybe, you know, I just want to move out so I can have that freedom or I'm in a relationship. I want to move in with them. Mm-hmm. And there can be all these different sorts of factors that go into it. So I really think that it's more a matter of, um, yeah, what do you value and what's going to make you happiest? But also you do have to balance that with, you know, what's going to be best for my financial situation. So for some people, you know, it's all about the numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to make as much as possible. I want to save as much as possible, keep my expenses as close to zero as possible. And there's some people who don't mind incurring the additional expense if it means that their lives are going to feel more fulfilled. So when it comes to like situations like that, I kind of just tell people to run the numbers to really think about the different alternatives and everything. And whatever conclusion they come to should be the one that's going to make them feel the best about it. Yeah, no, it's not always easy because, you know, I understand that, you know, when I was 29, so it's uh, 12 years ago, (laughs) it's 12 years ago, you know, I didn't have this um, wish to be, I mean, I wanted to become a millionaire, but I didn't know how because I didn't really start to read uh, all those books and all the podcasts and financial literacy. I mean, I didn't have all that, actually. I was savvy with my money, but I didn't think, oh, yeah, if I buy a house, I will not be able to become a millionaire fast enough, etc. So... It's quite uh, complex, so that's good that you are um, having this podcast to help millennials think about it in a different ways and putting all in practice, and uh, yeah, so that they can learn from you. So no, I think uh, it would have been helpful to me too, but I think I'm on my way as well. So <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> and then one one question, uh, Paris. So your your podcast. I mean, you're nearing uh, episode 200. You started the YouTube. So what's in store for you with your uh, let's say, social media channels, your content management, what are you uh, going towards to? Is it still continuing on the podcast trend or any big plans? So, um, yeah, I'm super grateful that you asked, actually. So for when I first started the podcast, I really had no big plans for it. I just wanted to be able to talk about finance and help people. So I was like, I'm just going to put it out there. If anybody likes it, then okay. And as time has gone on, it's been it's been something that, you know, it's taken up more and more time. I've been I've been devoting a lot more time to it lately than I ever used to. And I was actually speaking to someone um, and he was telling me, he was like, you know, only 30 percent of people only really listen to podcasts. And of those 30 percent, they're not all listening to financial podcasts, which is why I made the move Mm -hmm. to YouTube. So with that, you know, I want to be able to build up an audience on YouTube. And then after that, I'm actually starting. Well, 
not after that. I'm currently actually starting a Facebook group so that I can have different millennials and different people in their financial situations really come together and kind of, you know, encourage one another with different ideas and different kind of paths and everything that they're taking. Because there is more than one way to become a millionaire. But ultimately, the thing that I'm really looking to go do is to start actually doing like uh, financial workshops, like having people come in and really uh, talk through their finances and really seeing what we can be doing better. But I do want to be able to grow it. Like I said, I want to become a financial mm-hmm. advisor. So um, after, you know, after getting the, the degree and the certifications and everything, it would be, you know, go from the Millennial to Millionaire podcast, the M2M podcast. And then if I had a firm, it would be M2M financial. So that's the current plan for it. But for right now, I'm just planning on recording as much as possible, putting out as much content that will help people. And then from there, just letting it grow organically by reintroducing new guests and just really being more involved with people as opposed to it just being something that people listen to. Yeah, sure. No, that's great. I, I like the idea. And then I have a last question for you. You always have this uh, tagline, keep it 1 million. What does that mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, I've always been like a, I've always been, I guess, a, a high achiever. I've never like really liked this, the idea of settling or being average. Mm-hmm. So when I told people like, oh, you know, I want to be a millionaire. They were like, oh, you're greedy. That's too much. What do you even need a million dollars for? And it made me realize that like so often um, we can focus on the standards that like the world sets for us, right? Like the people around us, they kind of set the standard for us. So by that standard, keeping it 100 is like, you know, if you have, if you're at 100, you're good. But I was like, no, I don't. And it's a pretty popular phrase, keep it 100. So then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to go with the whole conventional idea of what success is. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to say we don't keep it 100, we keep it 1 million, which is, means that we're just going to take it as high as we could possibly go. We're going to blow out any sort of <laughs> normal standard because not a lot of millennials are aiming to become millionaires. It's something that feels like a dream, but it's not necess- It's not impossible. And it's also something that I think uh, it just goes down to the environment that a lot of people are in where they just feel like, oh, a million dollars, that's impossible. Yeah. But yeah, we keep it 1 million means that we're going to go shoot for everything. We're not going to settle. Okay, no, very cool, and it, it and it all makes sense with your drive and your uh, your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Okay, no, very cool. So uh, yeah, I think we came at the end of the show, Paris. So I want to thank you for all your tips and your uh, valuable insights. I think uh, no, that's great. I mean, if I had your knowledge at your age, it would have been uh, I would have been one millionaire by now. I think so. <laughs> We're not too far off. <laughs> But it's okay. I'm on my way too. Uh, and uh, yeah, good that people can uh, can listen to you. So uh, yeah, before we before I let you go, uh, Paris, we as you know, we always have our three quick fire questions. Let's do it. So uh, what has been your best investment so far? The best investment so far has been investing in my education, whether that be through books, mm-hmm. podcasts, school. Yeah, I think that the more I learn, the more I'm able to grow. And as I grow, so do my finances. So I always say invest in education. Yeah, sure. And then number two is, yeah, what is the best book you can recommend to anyone? Oh, Time and the Art of Living by Robert Gruden. It's not related to finance, but it does talk about It does about not the- need to be. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not related to um, it's not related to finance, but it talks about like the passing of time and everything. And I really feel like it helps really put the context of where you're at is not where you're always going to be. And thinking about time going on just, I don't know, puts life in perspective. So Time and the Art of Living by Robert Gruden. Okay. It's really good. Sounds interesting for me too. And then the last question is, uh, what is a purchase you can recommend for uh, below $100? 
The best purchase I've made for under $100, it's going to sound funny, but it's actually my water bottle. Health is key, and it, I think just taking care of yourself. So my water bottle is like my favorite purchase under $100. Yeah, perfect. Clean water, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you never regret to drink uh, too much water. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Health means wealth. Very good. So uh, yeah, Paris, where can the listeners learn more about you, uh, find your podcast, uh, your YouTube? Tell us. Perfect. Yeah. So you can find my podcast on anywhere that, you know, you can listen to podcasts. It's the Millennial to Millionaire podcast. You can't miss it. Um, so that's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. For the YouTube, it's the same thing. It's the Millennial to Millionaire podcast. You'll recognize it by the green logo and seeing my face as like you go through the thumbnail and everything. I'm also super active on Twitter, which is at VM2M podcast, as well as on LinkedIn. Name is Paris Grant. So I try my best to connect with people through all of these different avenues. I do have an Instagram as well, the M2M podcast. But um, yeah, you can use all these different avenues and you'll be able to find me. Yeah, perfect. And I link it all up in the show notes so uh, the listeners can find you easily. So Paris, uh, I want to thank you again. It was a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend. Or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, do your friends or people come to you with questions concerning a particular topic? Is it a topic you're passionate about, you read about it and you're immersed in it? Well, if so, maybe it's time to start a podcast about it. Number two, why should you strive to become a millionaire? Well, for Paris, it's not about riches and an extravagant lifestyle. It's all about freedom and achievement, freeing up your time for the things that are important to you. Number three, millennials and money issues. Financial literacy remains an issue. If not taught at home, it remains difficult. And this may not necessarily be linked to your socioeconomic status. Debt is still important, especially in the US. And the thing is, going back to financial literacy, without the right mindset towards money, you will struggle to make good financial decisions. Of course, I had to ask, you know, I have a millennial on the podcast. What about the avocado toast or the lattes or, you know, all those small expenditures? Well, this is actually not a struggle for millennials, although it's always in the press and in the articles. But big ticket items are, you know, like education, a car maybe, and the first property. These are the important topics for millennials. Number four, what are the steps to improve your financial situation? Keep track of your spending. What gets measured gets managed. Ask yourself, where is my money going? What debt do I currently owe? How much do I make? You know, all those type of questions to find out where you are financially right now. The next step is to set clear, concrete financial goals that will help you forward. For example, save my first thousand dollars or euros. And then what you need to do is to remain consistent and learn more about money and to increase that financial literacy as you progress on your journey. And then last but not least, should you buy a home or should you invest in the stock market? Well, this is not a clear cut. This really comes down to values. A lot of factors are involved. So what Paris recommends, and I agree with him. So yeah, ask yourself what is going to make you happy? What do you value? And balance that with what will be the best for your financial situation. So run the numbers, see the alternatives, and then make the choice that will make you feel the best. So that was it for the key takeaways for today. But before I let you go, I want to conclude with a little announcement I had at the start of the episode. So yes, I will take a break from the podcast, so there will not be any more episodes for now for a, yeah, for an undefined period, I would say. 
I will still publish a few more articles that I had planned, one on Legos and one on the Crypto.com card, which I wanted to cover as a review. Uh, but yeah, afterwards it will be a bit quieter. But Johnny Talks is not going anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still active. I still, I'm still passionate about personal finance and I'm still learning every day about the topic. Uh, I don't want to keep it uh, 100 huh, like, uh, my, like our guest today. I want to keep it uh, 1 million. I simply want to take the time to rethink a bit how I can serve you better to help you on your financial journey. And then that involves uh, you know, a brainstorm of my part of, uh, yeah, should I start a YouTube channel? Should I have video interviews instead of only the, of only the, the podcast itself? Should I launch a financial coaching practice? Uh, I already had some mock interviews, let's say, with a few people. If you want to have one with me, that's fine. You can contact me. But yeah, I'm, I'm brainstorming on those ideas. Should I focus on Belgium and Luxembourgish content only? I thought about um, launching activities in French, but I will not do that. It's my mother language, but I think I want to, to keep it in English. I think I like it. It makes it easy for me and uh, I can make mistakes. Uh, no one cares, so that's good. Anyway, I want to take some time off to brainstorm on... Uh, on a few ideas uh, but of course if you have feedback or suggestions you're welcome uh, you know where to find me i will still be active on uh, twitter and instagram this uh, i'm addicted so uh, <laughs> it's hard to let it go and with all that said a big thank you to all of you the almost 100 guests that came to share their uh, knowledge and expertise with us or even sometimes simply their stories on how they started their side hustle next to their job how they invested in dividend stocks how etfs works how I don't know how NFTs works, you know, all, all those topics. I mean, uh, thank you a lot. I'm very grateful for that, to know all of you and to still connect with you, chat with you on a regular basis. And then as well, of course, the listener, you. <laughs> Thanks for being a loyal listener. Thanks for sharing the episodes. Thanks for contacting me through emails or DMs on Instagram or Twitter. Thanks for the support and the feedback. So no, it's great. So thank you very much. Thank you. It really means a lot to me every single like every single uh, share every single dm it's it really makes me happy so i'm not going away huh? <laughs> don't, don't forget that i'm not going away i'm rethinking huh? so but yeah of course i cannot do it without you and uh, thanks for the for all the support i really appreciate it so let's close here for today and please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback send me an email john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on facebook twitter and instagram and amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.